anything that we know about God, it must be from the scriptures. Anything that we know authoritatively from God is going to be from his apostles and from his prophets and from the mouth of Jesus. And so we're going to measure everything against that standard because that's where it's laid down for our good. The scriptures themselves say the word of God is God-breathed. Hello, this is Pastor John. And this is Pastor Tim. And this is the one and only Every Moment His podcast coming to K-Town, <laughs> Kearney, Nebraska. Absolutely. Absolutely. Man, this is going to be a good episode. It is. I'm yeah. feeling it. We're, we're, we're giving it the title, Why We're Not Catholics. Roman Catholics, that is. But rather Lutheran Catholics. That's right. Because Why we're Lutheran Catholics and not Roman We are Catholics. Lutheran Catholics, not Roman Catholics. Yeah, so the original, uh, you know, title for the Lutherans were the Evangelical Catholics. Yes. Right? And we were those Catholic meaning universal and evangelical meaning centered on the gospel. Yeah, the gospel people, the good news people. the universal gospel people. Yeah. And we don't have any of those titles anymore. (laughs) No, we're just called Lutherans. Yeah, so. Which Luther didn't ever want to be called a Lutheran. He did not. It was kind of a. It was a smear. A smear, yeah. Um, But anyways, uh, yeah, so anyways, October 31st is coming up. And uh, before it was ever a day of knocking on people's doors and asking for candy, uh, it was uh, Reformation Day. Yeah. And, well, actually, it goes back to All Hallows' Eve. Right. Uh, the, n- the evening before uh, All Saints' Day. All Saints. November 1st, uh, where we give thanks for uh, the, those departed saints who have gone before us in the faith. Uh, and uh, that was the evening that Martin Luther apparently <laughs> nailed the 95 Theses on the door of Wittenberg Church. There you go. Um, the hammer heard around the world. Yes, although there is debate on whether he actually nailed them to the door or not. But mm. that's, that's a whole different topic. Historical one, yeah. scholars, <laughs> they debate. We're not going to do that on this. <laughs> this uh, but nevertheless, he did write the 95 yes. Theses. And the impact was immense. To be honest, they're kind of boring to read. Because <laughs> <laughs> there's so many of them. <laughs> yeah, and I remember being in high school, and I had just joined a Lutheran church, and I said, I'm going to go to Barnes & Noble, I'm going to find a book on Martin Luther, and I'm going to read the 95 Theses. So I sat down to read those, and I got to about number five, and I was like, what in the world is this guy talking about? (laughs) You kind of have to know what's at stake, what the historical context is. Yeah, and we'll talk about that a little bit. So, um, yeah, we're going to talk a little bit about Reformation. Um, In fact, in church this Sunday, we're singing A Mighty Fortress is Our God. Uh, Yeah focusing on the Reformation, but we thought that in this episode and in the next couple maybe, we would talk about what some of the differences are between uh, the Lutheran expression of the Christian faith and, say, the Roman Catholic. Uh, To be clear, Roman Catholics are Christians, part of the the church or Christendom, but there are some notable differences that we have, and those are not to be taken lightly. And I don't know about you, Pastor Tim, but I find that a lot of times people don't know what makes them a Lutheran Christian or a Roman Mm -hmm. Catholic Christian or a Baptist Christian. Uh, Sometimes we just say, hey, I kind of like this church and I like the the music, I like the preachers, 
I'll right. go here. Kind of fits my mood yeah. and my the space in life. Uh, yeah, I agree. I find that um, most of the things I end up talking about in new member classes is this question, is this question of, well, what's the difference between, you know, Roman Catholic, I grew up Roman Catholic, or what's the difference between evangelical, an evangelical church I'm coming from? And I, th- I find that when people have the opportunity to ask these questions and compare, um, that they're really interested. Yeah, and, th- and the questions are actually really important, pivotal questions yeah. that uh, you don't want to take lightly. Yeah, yeah. and I, so my, my, uh, my dad is Roman Catholic. My, mm-hmm. All my relatives on my one side, my dad's side, are Roman Catholic, historically. Yeah. And then on my mom's side, they're Lutheran. Uh, so I, I think I have a particular interest in that just because of that family connection. Yeah. Um, like my great uncle was a priest. Um, I never get to meet him, but there he goes. But it, it does matter. You know, these things are kind of powerful sets of ideas. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's too easy for people in these days in which we say everything is awesome. It's all good. Uh, you, you do you <laughs> believe whatever you want to believe that we can just more and more say it doesn't matter if you're Roman Catholic or Baptist or mm. Lutheran. It's all the same. And to a certain extent, we do have the same like creed, <laughs> the Apostles right. Creed, or we have the same Bible. Um, we believe in the same Lord Jesus Christ, but if you look under the surface, you look at the, if you open up the hood and you look at the mechanics of it all, there are some really important questions that have divided Christians in the past. And we shouldn't take those lightly. We should talk about those. So hence the next couple episodes. But as we get going today, I actually have a joke. Yes, I'm I'm excited for this. Just trying to be like you, Pastor Ted. (laughs) Right. Yeah, so. It's less of a joke and more of a meme. Memes are usually red, they're visual, but this yeah. is a, a spoken meme. Okay. So you ready? I'm, re- I'm ready. If your Roman Catholic friends think you're a Baptist and your Baptist friends think you're a Roman Catholic, you might be a Lutheran. <laughs> there you go. So they're both suspicious of us. They're like, what the heck? <laughs> what are you guys doing? Yeah. And I think the point of the joke is that you know, when you think of a Baptist church, you think of a preacher and a Bible. And when you think of the Roman Catholic Church, you think of the Mass, the Lord's yeah. Supper, vestments, the body and bread, yeah. the body and blood of Christ. And, yeah. and then when you come to a Lutheran church, you get the preacher, the open Bible, the vestments, the candles, yeah. and the Lord's Supper. We got it all. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Just confusing yeah. everybody. You want to hear another? This is kind of a Baptist joke, but... Is it? Yeah. Do you want to save it for the Baptist episode? W- well, Keep people, people are going to be... Yeah, uh, yeah, sure. So if you want to hear this joke, you'll have to come back for the yeah. Baptist episode. You do have to come back. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so... <laughs> a little teaser. There are a lot of good Baptist <laughs> jokes. All right, so when the Reformation happened... Uh, what was kind of the background? What was going on and, and what sparked Luther's complaints, the 95 Theses? Yeah, well, a lot of things. And I think that the Reformation was kind of set in motion for a lot of different reasons. Some were political, some were theological. Uh, and the ground was kind of set. Um, we'll talk about this maybe in other episodes, but the Pope was a big issue. Uh, so even before the time of Martin Luther, and the posting of the 95 Theses in 1517, 
there was a lot of suspicion about the Pope. And in fact, some people in the church thought that the Pope was the Antichrist. That goes back a couple centuries, even before Luther. And the church had just gained all this immense political power and, uh, and there was also a lot of corruption in the church. So can, can I just pause you right there? <laughs> yeah, go ahead. When you say that the, the Lutherans th- or some of the Christians thought that the Pope was the Antichrist, can you just pause and help us grapple with that? Because when oftentimes when we think we don't have a very clear understanding of the Antichrist. Yeah. So when we say Antichrist, we don't mean like a molten demon coming out of the ground, do we? Like, what exactly do we mean? Not exactly. (laughs) (laughs) No, so uh, Scripture speaks, um, we'll do the Antichrist in 30 seconds here. Yeah. Uh, Scripture speaks in in the book of Daniel about um, this character, and this character was most likely, um, I believe I'm pronouncing his name correctly, uh, Antiochus. Uh, Epiphanes IV, I think. He Mm. was one of these Greek rulers who was super bad dude, like sacrificed pigs in the temple of God's people, uh, persecuted and killed God's people uh, after the book of Daniel was written. But uh, anyways, this guy was kind of like this um, character who was super bad dude, enemy of God's people. Uh, But then that led to, in the New Testament times, there was this belief then that Uh, there would be an antichrist who would come and who would oppose God and oppose his people and teach false doctrine and lead people astray. And uh, that this would in some sense arise within the church or within the the context of the church and not outside of it. And so you get in 1 John chapter 2, John says, you have heard that antichrist is coming and even now there are many antichrists Mm -hmm. and these are people who left the church and who were like causing divisions and heresies. And then you hear about the man of lawlessness in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. So throughout the whole history of the church, there's been this question of who is the antichrist and and during the time of Luther and before that, people actually said they thought the Pope was because they saw false teaching Right. And they also saw some really out of control yeah. political behavior. Blatant abuses. Yeah. Of, yeah. So when we say Antichrist, in, in particular, we mean someone who rises up from, um, from the church or was at one point part of the church and now is not. Yeah. Uh, but stands in front of Christ and speaks as if he has authority. Yeah. But often speaks falsely, speaks false doctrine or contradicts. Christ and the apostles. And the Pope had claimed to speak in the place of Christ. And so that was the issue. Um, So that was one of the issues was that the whole papacy, the Pope, uh, and then uh, people were discovering um, older sources. So people, this was a time of great scholarship in like the, what we call the age of humanism, uh, the Renaissance. And so people were studying like ancient manuscripts of both the scriptures and the church fathers, and they're getting back to the original sources. And they were realizing like, uh, we're reading the Bible and the church fathers, yeah. and they don't say what the church is saying right now. So the moment or the, the issue of the moment was indulgences, yeah, right? Where they were selling uh, basically grace, selling uh, years off of purgatory or some uh, favor from God, and yeah. y- you would obtain that by donating to the church. Yeah, and, and you could do this for yourself, but you could also do it for the, the departed. Yeah. And, uh, and you know, 
you know, I think it's interesting that Luther posted this 95 theses against the indulgences in large part around all saints because you could, if grandma, you hope grandma's not in hell, you know, but if she didn't commit any mortal sins before she died, she's probably in purgatory then. And you don't want grandma to be in purgatory for thousands of years, yeah. you know, being cleansed of her sins. So you can maybe pay some money, get a bargain deal and get grandma out of purgatory. I mean, that's a nice thing to do for grandma. And so <laughs> that's kind of the idea of indulgences is you pay money and then you can get less time and in purgatory. Man, it's, it's, that's the, the crass level of that is just so ugly, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, man. And this is... Unfortunately, so John Tetzel, guy who was trying to fundraise for these things, in particular, he was raising money to finish St. Peter's Basilica in yeah. Rome. And so there's a lot of kind of ugly stuff. That went like that corruption. Went, yeah, yeah, I mean, St. Peter's Basilica is beautiful, but what built it was this kind of twisted theology. Yeah, it was built on people's fear. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> of man. Trying and to who get doesn't want to save grandma? Yeah. 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 So, um, yeah, so that's the, the Reformation in a nutshell, but it became, you know, and a lot of, of Roman Catholics and Lutherans will talk about how the Reformation was a necessary tragedy. Hmm. Like, we sh I don't think we should have a celebratory view of the Reformation always. I don't think we should see it as an age of triumph, you know, like, yay, we win. Um, it's really a pretty sad era in the church's history because the church, a portion of the church tried to reclaim the true and pure gospel based on the scriptures and then were kicked out. Yeah. And uh, so, and we need to remember that Luther and the reformers, you know, Philip Melanchthon and others, you know, in other traditions like John Calvin and whatnot, they were not trying to just rebel or start their own church. Mm -hmm. it, it was a very, very painful thing where they were trying to be faithful to the scriptures and then the church of Rome basically said, you're not part of the church. Yeah. Um, and then that division has existed to this day. It was kind of cemented in what's called the Council of Trent mm. where the Roman church officially kind of condemned uh, the Lutheran teaching. Hmm. Um, and, and Luther had been calling for a council as well to yeah. discuss these things. And actually, if you're interested in this kind of history stuff, the Book of Concord um, documents some of this back and forth mm -hmm. uh, between the Lutherans saying, this is what the Bible is saying, this is what the Lord says, and, and the Roman Catholics kind of giving their rebuttals. Yeah. Um, so anyway, it is kind of like... I think it's worthy of grieving. Yeah, it is. You know? Yeah, it's something that we kind of grieve, right? Uh, but it's also something that we celebrate in that this is our heritage as Christians, as Lutheran Christians. Uh, and, and part of that heritage is what we call the solas. And right. sola means alone or only. It's a cool Latin word. And uh, Protestant Christians or Lutherans... As Lutherans, I don't really know if we're Protestants. We're kind of in between. But, we're the um, original protestants i yeah. guess maybe. old school yeah the og protestants yeah the og yeah. protestants yeah. yeah uh well the protestants have what's what's called the solas and so we thought we'd spend some time talking about the five solas um of the reformation and it'd be cool to have these as maybe bumper stickers hmm. 
There yeah. you go. Maybe like a t-shirt. Yeah. Uh, so uh, the first one is sola scriptura, which means scripture alone. What does that mean? Well, yeah, we're just saying when w- anything that we know about God, right, it must be from the scriptures. Yeah. Anything that we know authoritatively from God is going to be from his apostles and from his prophets and from the mouth of Jesus. Yeah. And so we're going to measure everything against that standard Yeah. because that's where it's laid down for our good. The scriptures themselves say the word of God is God breathed. Right. And, yeah. and Jesus says that, you know, heaven and earth are going to pass away, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this mm. became kind of the mantra of the, the Reformation, uh, the word of the Lord remains forever. And they're trying to put that in front of the Roman Catholic Church to say, we're not making anything up here. Yeah. We're trying to ground us back into what we know for certain from God. And so the tr- the Catholic tradition, you know, had over time kind of drifted from the scriptures. And I would say still needs, is in need of reform around yeah. the scriptures. And they hold that the traditions of the church um, are of equal value as the scriptures. Yeah, or they would even say that the scriptures that we have in the New Testament are sort of a cross section of the wider tradition. Right. And and but but we uh, as Lutherans we go back even to the church fathers. So those early doctors or theologians of the church, like Athanasius or or uh, origin yeah. Irenaeus uh, Ambrose etc they were the early like uh, interpreters of the scriptures and and uh, as we go back to them we see things that are that are not in agreement with the Roman church mm-hmm. uh, like the Pope for example mm-hmm. and uh, and and so now this is not to say that we as sola scriptura scripture alone Christians, that we just read the Bible alone. Right. Because we believe that we need to interpret the Bible in a community that is the church. And so that's why as Lutheran Christians, we take church history and the church fathers and the creeds and the councils of the church really seriously. Mm -hmm. Um, That's one of the problems I have with like, you know, the non-denominational kind of church movement is that, okay, we're reading the Bible, but are we reading it in conversation with the historic church yeah. and not just in conversation with our American culture? Right. Uh, so we don't want to like repeat heresies, right? We want to look at the heresies and the councils and the decisions of the church in the past. That's where we get like the Apostles' Creed and the Nicene Creed and the Athanasian Creed uh, and really take those into account. They're just not going to have the final say. If at any point the creeds or councils of the church defy scripture, then we're going to say we have to go with scripture. Yeah, so a, g- a simple example that I think a lot of people are interested in is the Roman Catholic Church says that priests currently, they must not be married. Yeah. Uh, but if you look in the scriptures, right, we see, you know, First Timothy says an elder must be the husband of one wife. And the elder is kind of that, that pastor position in the church. Yeah, even an overseer, you know. An uh, overseer, yeah. yeah. And so this was something that came into the church, I don't know when, maybe 1300 or something like that. Yeah, I mean, so for a good portion of church history, priests or pastors were able to be married. It was, it was um, 
couple hundred years before the Reformation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think it had a lot to do with the land that the churches were built on, because if priests had children, then that land would go to their children. And so yeah. I think some of it was a political move. Maybe the church didn't want to get health and dental for the whole family. <laughs> <you know? laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, <laughs> now I think that this, this uh, sola scriptura thing also applies to today because Absolutely. You know, I see in a lot of American churches there is this emphasis maybe on like pop psychology from the pulpit or maybe like how does Jesus help me have my best life now or how can I like achieve my dreams and goals. And we're not really focusing on scripture. Like what does the Bible say? Yeah. We're just kind of focusing on what makes me feel good. Or the, the immediate needs in my immediate context. Yeah. Yeah. So let's move on to the next one. Sola gratia. Okay. These are fun to say. Sola gratia. This is grace alone. Yeah. So grace alone, uh, we're saying how, and when we say how are people saved? Yeah. Um, is it our works? Not according to scripture. Right. According to the scripture, it's unmerited, unearned favor. It's a gift. And I love Romans 3 is one of the best places to mm -hmm. look for this, that our salvation is a gift rather than a payment. Yeah. You labor for a payment, but you receive freely a gift. You cannot labor for a gift. Right. And so yeah. grace is close to that word gift. Yeah, and in the Roman Catholic tradition, I think grace is more kind of seen like help. Like grace is God's help to help you do the mm -hmm. right thing so you can earn salvation. Um, I always see it as kind of like Mario Brothers, Super Mario Brothers, where like if you eat the mushroom, you get bigger and you get stronger. Yeah. And then if you <laughs> like, so like if, if you go to the mass and you get the sacraments, like you get stronger and you're able to keep the commandments and then earn everlasting life. That's kind of the way that grace is seen as God's help. But in the scriptures, we see that grace is not God's help necessarily. It's first and foremost God's favor. Mm -hmm. It means that God smiles upon you, not because of your good works, but because of Jesus. Yeah, so I, I like to add another analogy. Like grace is kind of like being put, um, being put in a bus that's moving, right? So you you're placed in this bus, it's moving, you mm -hmm. don't have anything to do with it, but you're along for a ride going to where you need to go. Yeah. Whereas the Roman Catholic position seems to think that grace is more like fuel in the, in the tank of your car. Yeah. So it's that thing that empowers you to, to you to get where you need to go. Right, and, and, and grace does empower the living of the Christian life, but mm -hmm. it does not give us power for salvation. Romans right. says in Romans 1, that the the gospel is the power of God to salvation. Right. It's not something that we do. It's good news given to us. It's the announcement that God loves you and he's not angry at you. He forgives you yeah. because of Christ. And, and I think that we need that message today because um, there's a lot of weak and weary and worn out people who just need to hear the good news of the gospel, mm -hmm. that it's not your striving. It's not your do good enough. Uh, it's... It's grace alone, man. Yeah. Yeah, I think, well, you know, in Ephesians, we've been really focusing on this passage through our Save to Serve mm -hmm. time where, you know, it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. Yeah. So that no one can boast. And so that's fantastic news, right? Um, Hebrews, or I'm sorry, um, Titus says something very similar. Like when the 
the loving grace of our Lord Jesus appeared. He saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according yeah. to his mercy. Um, and so it's this, I mean, it's, a ra- it's still radical. Every time you think about it, it still surprises you. Yeah. God has favored you for no other reason than his love for you and then through Jesus. Yeah. And, and the this more, is what saves. The more you recognize how deeply sinful you are, the more God's grace will always abound. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Romans, it says where, where sin abounds, grace abounds. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, sola fide. Yeah, I like that word fide for some reason. Fide. I think a lot of dogs are named Fido. Yeah. Be- and it means faithful, right? Semper Fi. Se- yeah, Semper Fi. Marines, yeah. Um, there you go. So faithful. So faith alone, you know, and this actually, Ephesians is a great place to look because we're saved yeah. by grace through faith. Through faith, yeah. So grace is the unmerited giving of Jesus to us. Right. For our sake. Um Faith is that response that the Holy Spirit works in us that causes us to trust in this yeah. work. It's really the hand that receives the gift of God. Or some theologians have said that it's like the open window through mm. which the, the sunshine of God's grace just comes through. And so we don't want to think of faith as a good work that we do. Um, and so really, you're not saved because you believe in Jesus. Mm your salvation is received through your faith in Jesus. Um, yeah, that's a, that's a subtle shift, right? But it's, uh, yeah, um, you don't want to believe in your faith, right? Yeah. You don't want to have faith in your faith. Like, I know I'm saved because I'm believing. You want right. to say something like, I know I, I'm saved because I trust in the ever, uh, ever-present mercy of God in my life through Jesus. Well, and this is, by the way, this is, and this is where I think the Reformation is critical for now. This is why Lutherans do not do altar calls. This is why at the end mm-hmm. of church, your pastors don't say, like, we know there's somebody out there who hasn't accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior. If you come up to the altar and lay down your life to the Lord, then you'll be saved. Um, because we don't do that because, well salvation is is good news that you hear and you believe and it becomes yours through faith it's not a decision that we make in our own strength right we call this decision theology i have decided to make jesus the lord of my life Mm -hmm. you can't do that (laughs) i mean because you'll wiggle your way out of it Mm -hmm. every way the gift of faith is only created by the holy spirit through the preaching of god's word and so and we are dead in our sins and trespasses. We can't even lift a hand towards God until the Holy Spirit creates faith in us. So even the faith that saves us, or that is the way by which we are saved, is a gift given by God. Hmm. It's by grace. And so, yeah, I, I've, I like to explain this as uh, faith is not a switch, like a light switch that you get to control on or off. Mm-hmm. But the Bible talks about faith like a seed, being planted, right? It's the word being planted that then grows up into faith. So faith is a gift worked by the Holy Spirit in us, and we're not in control of that lever, right? It's it's the Lord who does that. He does that through means, through word and through sacrament. So it's actually fairly predictable Yeah. Um, where you can find this grace. That's why it's important to be faith. in the church, right? Um, yeah. Because that's why being a Christian is is associated with being in a congregation. Yeah. Because you are 
I'm talking about this in my confirmation sermon this weekend, is that as a, as a Christian, you are glued to a pulpit, you're glued to an altar, and you're glued to the people in the mm -hmm. church because that's where God's working on you and giving you the gift of faith is through those means. It's a sticky situation. A sticky situation. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> so what's the next one? Well, for a little bit of contrast, real quick to review, um, between Roman Catholicism and us, Sola Scriptura, they say, yes, scriptures are good, but also the church's voice is as equivalent to scriptures. Yeah. So tradition and scriptures are on the same level. And also for grace, they would say, yes, grace saves. They would, they would say that. But it's the grace-empowered works that kind of um, increases your state of justification. Or You're able to merit everlasting life event, through the yeah. grace that gives you the strength to do the commandments. But this yeah. one, sola fide, we have a big, a big difference. Rome, Rome will never say you are saved by faith alone. Well, hopefully they do someday, but at least right now <laughs> they day. don't. Yeah. One day when Jesus uh, returns. Yeah. But right now they would, they would always say no, um, yeah. that works are necessary for salvation. Yeah. Well, they would say that, that, um, that, your, your faith is more of a historical knowledge that you acknowledge historically that Jesus was born, that he died, that he rose again, uh, but that faith needs to be formed by love. So your faith is kind of incomplete. It needs to get powered up, hmm. to use the video game language, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, it needs to get love. Um, now here's where, where Lutherans are gonna differ. We're gonna say that you actually don't have any power to love until you learn to trust in the love that never changes, which is the love of God in Christ. And I think of it kind of like uh, with small children and attachment to their parents. You know, what do kids need? They need to attach to the, their parents mm. that they can trust. And that actually, like, that attachment early in your development is huge for the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. And so that is really faith, right? I learned to trust mom and dad because they'll feed me. They change my diaper. They pick me up when I cry. And that is the relationship that we have with, with God through Christ. The Holy Spirit creates that attachment. And that, is, that alone is where all the good works come from and the love come from. So really the, the critique of Rome is that, that, that we don't earn a place in the family by how well we love. Yeah, we love because we're part of the family because we yeah. have that attachment to our God through Jesus Christ. And and I think when we're saying, what's good about saying faith alone saves is because if you have faith in the work of Jesus Christ, it's complete. Yeah, right. Because Jesus's work is is a hundred percent complete. You, you can't, can't add, add to, to it. it right? right, right. And so, for example, that story of the uh, Pharisee and the tax collector in Luke eighteen. Uh, the Pharisee claimed his works, his, his merit, mm. his keeping of the law, maybe his love, although he doesn't come off as a very loving character. Smug, <laughs> more like that. He's yeah. kind of smug, but, um, but he does not go home justified or right with God, Jesus says. But the tax collector, who had lived a, probably a pretty seedy life, I mean, he wasn't doing God's commandments. He was doing a lot of other things. Uh, he says, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And Jesus says that he goes home justified. That means mm -hmm. that in that moment that he confessed his great need, he had all of God's riches and God's grace. He's righteous. He's in the family. So the, the problem for us is we would say, look, if you start looking to your works, even though as a Christian, you should be doing good works. Yeah. 
If you start looking there to know your salvation, you're never going to be satisfied. You're never going to be on a sure footing. Uh, And I do think this is where the understanding of purgatory comes in for Roman Catholics, because they would say, well, if you look at your life, what's the quality like? Is it totally saintly? Got to scrub you off a little bit before you get you in heaven. Right, and they'd say, okay, if if you're not done baking, go to purgatory for a while. Whereas we would say, it's by faith. So faith trusts in Christ whose work is complete, and therefore we're covered in his righteousness through faith. And that means when I die... I, I'm in the presence of the Lord because I've been justified, not by my works. Yeah. So anyway, I think we have more to talk about there, but not not enough time today. Maybe next to, episode. Yeah. Yes. So the next is Solus Christus. Uh, can you tell us about about that? So uh, actually, there's a great song by this title. It's just not in Latin. It's uh, Christ Alone. <laughs> Should do a Latin version. <laughs> Christus, uh, Solus Christus. That'd be a good uh, good hymn. Um, yeah, Christ alone. Uh, and what we're saying here is that Jesus is the beginning and the end of our salvation. No ifs, ands, or buts. I mean, Jesus is the source and the end of our salvation. We, we trust in Jesus the whole way through. And, and that he is the only reason that we can stand before God, his, his death and his resurrection. Mm-hmm. We don't look at our works in the least. In fact, a couple of things that Luther said that I think are helpful here. Luther said that that God, something to the effect of God is merciful, so merciful that he even forgives your good works. <laughs> yeah, awesome. Because all of our good works are tainted I with know. self-interest to, to some degree. And, and, and also that Luther said that God doesn't need your good works, but your neighbor does. Right. And, and so we don't look at our good works, the quality of our life at all for our assurance. We look at Jesus alone and we claim him as our salvation. And, and, we want to avoid what one of my professors at Concordia Seward called Jesus Plus. Mm-hmm. I think that was Dr. Blanco. It's a good Jesus Plus, yeah. So, yeah, so I, I've heard it said this way, too, that, like, uh, faith in Christ is, like, the first plank of salvation, and then you have your good works is the second plank. Yeah. And that helps you get to where you need to go. And we just say, look, if if any if they have any credit for anything it's because the lord is working in me yeah. he worked to save me he did the work of the cross uh, he sent his holy spirit to give me faith uh, he is the one who sanctified me yeah and so that leads us nicely into the next one which is uh, solo sola de- deo gloria soli deo gloria yeah um, to god alone be the glory to god alone be the glory so if it is, in fact, the case, which it is, that from beginning to end, God has done our salvation and worked it in us despite our kicking against him. Yeah. <laughs> and that we're actually saved at the last day. Yeah. Who gets the glory, us or, or God? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, you know, I, Jonathan Edwards, my boy, Jonathan Edwards, who's from Connecticut. I actually used to live a couple blocks from his birthplace. In who is Jonathan Edwards? For Jonathan Edwards was the preacher who preached sinners in the hands of an angry God. Mm. Uh, very prominent uh, American theologian before the first, uh, the Revolutionary War. And anyways, not a Lutheran, to be clear, but influenced by Luther to some degree. He said that the only thing that you contribute to your salvation is the sin that made it necessary. Man, that's a good motivational poster <laughs> right, right between there. between the eyes, yeah. Yeah, and, and, and the idea here is that <laughs> we don't get any credit. Like, we're just the guys who messed up. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> and that Jesus, 
I mean, God, okay, let's look at the Trinity here, okay? God the Father is the one who chose us by grace in the beginning. And created us. And created us. But before the foundation of the world, it says in Ephesians, he Mm -hmm. predestined us to be his own through adoption as sons. Jesus Christ is the one who came and accomplished our salvation as our brother. And then the Holy Spirit is the one who works it in us. And so as we stand before God on that great day of judgment, like he's going to get all the, the claps. He's going to get all mm-hmm. the glory and the praise. Yeah. Um, both Jesus gets all the glory for all the sins that have been forgiven and then also all the good things that we did that he yeah. worked in us. So, yeah. yeah, I've heard, you know, that God crowns his good works in us. Yeah. Right? Um, after he saved us, he crowns his good work with glory. Um, yeah. The he, other thing is... Um, I've heard this, this is useful is like, there's a glory kind of teeter totter, right? And, and, uh, either, and you're on one side and God is on the other side. Yeah. So if you get 1% of the glory, God gets 99% of the glory, right? That, or that if you get cool. 50%, right? We don't want to so do that. So we want to keep it. God gets all the glory. That's the point. God right. gets all the glory. We get none of the glory for our, our salvation. We just we get all the comfort, though. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. So that's beautiful. And we see this in like Revelation, mm-hmm. uh, where all the elders are around the throne of God, and when they start praising God, they all take off their crowns and throw it down at His feet, right? Yeah. Um, because they recognize, uh, man, we're just here by grace. Yeah. Like we shouldn't be here. Yeah. But we are. It's just awesome. We're, we're here, but it's, yeah. it's not on our own steam. Yeah. You know, uh, I think that one of the, the, the reasons, sometimes people are a little hard on Lutherans, hmm. and they say that we're kind of cranky about theology, <laughs> that we're always picking, being nitpicky about theology and the way we talk about salvation. And the reason, though, is that we want God to get all the glory and and we want us to get all the comfort mm. of Christ's death and resurrection. And and but the the truth though is that all human beings, us included, <laughs> are kind of glory snatchers. Hmm. We're glory snatchers because we're this is what this is the issue I have with a lot of American Christianity is like okay, Jesus died for me. Thank you Jesus for dying on the cross for me. And he did all the hard work but I'm the one who decided to accept him as my Lord and Mm. Savior. So Mm. I get that little tiny bit of credit. Mm. Come on. Yeah. I don't. And then it's my kind of dedicated life that that shows forth that. And so I get a little bit more, maybe. Just a little bit of glory. (laughs) But I think that when we realize that it's all by grace from beginning to end, like it's not, it's not my decision in the end. I mean, I, I don't, I don't even keep my new year's resolutions. So so how am I going to be able to follow Jesus to the end? No, yeah, he gets it's all really the glory. It's really freeing too. Yeah, it's freeing because um, then we know we know we're secure in our faith because, yeah, it wasn't my um, half baked job that got <laughs> yeah. it done, right? But it's it's Jesus's completed work yeah. to tell us die. It is finished. Um, that has made it so so great. Just rest, chill chill, chill out, but also do some good works <laughs> because yeah. Of grace. Yeah, know, knowing that they're it. not going to save you, but they but because sure are nice. Because you're saved to serve, right? There you go. I think I heard that somewhere. I know. Uh, I, think <laughs> I think so, too. Yeah. So, uh, you know what? This might be a good time for some of our listeners to pick up some, some Luther 
and do some Reformation reading. Now, obviously, we want you to read the Bible first, but um, what are some good things that your average Lutheran Christian, or maybe Roman Catholic Christian, if we have any out there, um, would pick up and read? What would you recommend? Well, yeah, definitely uh, picking up the Augsburg Confession, because um, you can kind of see the context, what the, what the Lutherans, why they were upset, what they're trying to clarify. Um, the large catechism. Yeah, large, uh, large catechism, large catechism. Is, is awesome. I mean, it's just good, like, devotional reading. Mm-hmm. It goes through the commandments. It goes through the creed, the Lord's Prayer, et cetera. And just a lot of good practical living the Christian life stuff in mm-hmm. there. Um, I think one of my favorites is Luther's um, The Freedom of a Christian. Yeah, so this is classic Luther um, where he really lays out the privileges of what it means to be a, a Christian. Yeah, that we're completely free mm-hmm. in Christ, but also bound to do good works for our neighbor. And uh, uh, one more that I would add is Luther's commentary on Galatians. That might be a little top shelf reading, mm-hmm. um, but if you're if you think you can handle it, go for it. Uh, but I'd say start with the one that we referenced before. Yeah, and the the Augsburg Confession is not long. It's it's not. How many, 27 articles, something like that? Yeah, and it's it's really not a lot of pages. No, they're short. You so can find this probably, on the internet yeah, too, right? It's probably 10 pages or so Yeah, of solid reading. But anyway, so that is the solas. Um, what kind of distinguishes us um, in, in the Reformation as Christians? Uh, some of these things are where we take our stand and, and try to really be faithful to the scriptures and to Christ with our, our thinking and our believing. Cool. So next week, we want you to, to check out the podcast again, because we're going to talk about this for maybe a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. What are some of the differences between the Lutheran Church uh, and then other denominations? And yep. so we're going to start with Roman Catholicism. And I think that the context of All Saints Day next week will be a good one to talk about that with purgatory and, yeah, and the role dig, of saints. Dig a little deeper. Dig a little deeper. Uh, talk about the Pope a little bit more. But then, you know, later we might uh, talk to in in later episodes about maybe the difference between Lutherans and say Baptists or non-denominational Christians. Keep in mind, we're 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 all Christians, but Christian teaching really matters, and so it's good that we know the differences. Yeah, and yeah. we're not we're not hostile, but we just want to. Yeah, keep in fact, we've got friends in these traditions, mm-hmm. and even pastors in these traditions that we will meet up with from time to time, and and. We call them friends. Yeah. We say, we love you, but you're wrong. (laughs) And they say the same thing (laughs) to us. (laughs) It's fine. All right. So So God's peace be with everyone listening, and we'll talk to you next time.